0: Hello folks and welcome to Got Your Back, NHL, LeBron and Rashad, a doozy of a podcast on the way today. The man making all the headlines, Canucks General Manager Patrick Alvine, in conversation with Pierre and I on today's podcast. We'll also break down some other happenings around the National Hockey League. Got Your Back, brought to you by Cross Country Canada, Supplies and Rentals where they provide equipment and supplies to all facets of the Canadian construction industry. What sets them apart, though? Their get done attitude. It's a core value of their company. It means the world to them. I know that because I've been to the head office. They actually have it plastered on the walls at Cross Country Canada. get her done They'll bend over backwards for their clientele. Whatever they need, when they need it, no excuses. They take great pride in that attitude, and we are very proud to have Cross Country Canada as our title sponsor here on Got Your Back, LeBron and Rashad. As we say hello to Monsieur LeBron, Pierre, it was uh, an active night last night. Breaking news happens. (laughs) You spring into action. We spring into action. It's kind of the first big one of the year, and it gets the juices flowing a little, doesn't it?
1: Well, there may not be many bigger ones. There might be some that are equivalent, but you know, Bo Horvat was the top name on most trade boards, right? And uh, for a reason, captain of the Canucks, having a career year. Uh, and also because he's on a, a, a expiring deal, a, a very, very good chance that he was going to be moved unless there was a last-minute uh, extension, and that never came close to happening. By the way, you know, once that last offer was, you know, uh, offered and rejected, I think in early December, that was pretty much it. Uh, it was all about trading Bo Horvat.
0: Yeah, for sure. So, reaction to the deal. The question that always comes when a player of that caliber gets traded is, did they get enough? And we've listened to both sides reason through why they did it, when they did it, to a degree. What's your sense, Pierre, on the return that the Vancouver Canucks got and the way that it fits into the trajectory that they're facing right now?
1: Yeah, so I think you have to start with the premise that you have to treat Bohorvat as a rental player in the moment because whether or not he ends up signing an extension with the Islanders was never guaranteed as part of this process. So Mm -hmm. therefore, I think you have to analyze this as not a hockey deal, but a rental deal in terms of what the Canucks got back. And from that perspective, uh, in texting other front office people around the NHL over the last 24 hours, they feel like the Canucks did decent here. Uh, Again, because it's a player that isn't guaranteed to be with his new team past the end of the season. Now we'll get to that in a second. I have a feeling there's a chance that he does sign at some point, but he's a rental player in the moment. And I think from ba- that perspective, uh, you know, given that you got an NHL player in Bavillier granted a winger, not a center, uh, and, and certainly, uh, a prospect in Ratu that has promise, you know, could he be a second line player eventually? And of course the first round pick might be the gem of them all. Um, whether it's a, a first-round pick this summer, which would be mid-range, that would mean that the Islanders weren't picking top 12, or an unprotected pick next year, Ryan, or, right. which I think is the real interesting part of this deal for Vancouver. Yeah. I think they did all right, given... No, I'm not going to say they did great, but I think they did all right, given the circumstances.
0: A lot lies in that pick. Evaluating this trade lies in who they pick, how their scouting staff does, what kind of an impact... That player can eventually have. Okay, we're going to get to our interview with Patrick Alvin. That's our Who's Got Your Back segment brought to you by Liberty Smart Security. It's a company that specializes in having your back. High quality, advanced smart security systems for your home or your business. They use leading edge technology to protect the things that you value most in your life. Your home is your castle. Protect it with Liberty Smart Security visit libertysecurity.ca. We should let people know a bit of a funny moment in this interview with Patrick Alvin <laughs> because you disappeared, Pierre. You all of a sudden went poof. And I asked him a question because I think a lot of people are wondering, why wouldn't the Canucks let him negotiate with other teams before he made that deal, right? The wisdom, conventional wisdom is if they can negotiate an extension, maybe you get more for him. We'll talk about that strategy after, but you disappeared right before I asked that question. And then you popped back up, didn't know I'd asked it, and then you asked it again. Now the the thing that was funny about it is he didn't really give me much of an answer. He said he didn't want to talk about it really. And then you asked him, and he gave you an answer. So I don't know what that says about me and you.
1: Well, well I guess he figured <laughs> we were like a dog and a bone and wouldn't let yeah. that aspect go. And, and 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 listen, you said conventional wisdom, yes and no. I mean, I, I think that. You know, some teams would have preferred to let Newport Sports, Pat Morris negotiate an extension as part of this to get more in return. Yes. But I have talked to a lot of teams in the last several years who have been in the exact same position as Vancouver, who decided not to allow the agent to be involved right. because they feel that the agent kind of hijacks the trade process. And now it suddenly becomes a team, just a team that the agent, and the player are looking at as opposed to, you know the Canucks being able to play the whole field if that makes any sense so it's not a no brainer but it's certainly something that teams have dealt with in different ways
0: all right that and much more covered in our interview with Canucks general manager Patrick Alvine, courtesy Liberty Smart Security so there's a number of different directions we can take this interview right off to start here Patrick but I I'm sort of going back to my journalism professor and he said never ignore the obvious so the first thing I'll ask you is do you have any more trades to tell us about today <laughs>
2: Yeah. it's still early out here in vancouver right yeah. uh we'll see uh what the day has uh but uh um you know what uh, it's been a lot of uh, conversation here uh conversations with uh different teams and uh we're uh, still uh, five weeks away from the deadline i guess and uh, a lot of things can happen here
0: so a big trade that you made yesterday and, and after a trade like that happens patrick there's all kinds of reaction right there's the media reaction there's the fan base reaction there's other fan bases reacting within your team internally i wonder in the 24 hours or so after you do a deal like that what reactions do you pay most attention to do you think matter
2: well f- at first uh, <clears throat> reaching out to the players involved in the deal i think that's important uh um especially here a uh, long captain bohor but uh uh, being here for nine years and and played really well for the Canucks and and being a great leader in the community and uh, on and off the ice, so I that was a that was a hard uh, uh, tough one of my tougher uh, calls to make uh, so far in my tenure here with the Vancouver Canucks and then. Uh, the next uh, step was to reach out to Bavilier uh, and uh, Ratty and welcome them to the organization and making sure we taking care of them and and uh, communicating in the right uh, way and uh, giving them all the information. You know, one
1: thing that I always find fascinating over the years, uh, Patrick, and I don't know that there's really a hard, fast rule. That's why it's interesting to debate, is the idea of you know pulling the trigger when you have something you like that's on the table, but you're you know just under five weeks out you know uh, does the offer get worse does the offer get better it's possible to know really so i can you walk us through the idea that you decided to act this early on on a trade that obviously could have gone right to march 3rd
2: well again i, I think i touched on it uh, uh at the press conference here yesterday when i got in here a year ago uh, starting to evaluate what we had. Uh, my job was to, to uh, remake and restructure the organization. Um, part of it was uh, evaluating our team uh, and and talking to other teams, uh, you know, leading up to basically to yesterday when we pulled the trigger um, and uh, gathering the information and, and who might have interest in, in our players and to what degree. And, uh, um, you know, I rely a lot on, on Jim Rutherford's expertise uh, being around uh, the league for so long and, you know, being very successful general manager. So um, I think we felt uh, uh, really comfortable uh, with the return uh, at this point and not risking uh, uh, missing out on a deal or or uh, uh, a, a player getting injured.
0: Patrick, one of the, uh, from a strategic standpoint, and I'm not sure how deep you'll you'll want to get into this, but... You know, there is a school of thought that if you allow teams to talk to the player about his future and potentially a contract and that sort of thing, that maybe it adjusts the return and it can be a little bit better. But that strategy can also backfire on you as well. So I wonder, you know, you guys, uh, it's been reported, made the decision not to allow teams to have those discussions. And what went into that decision?
2: Um, I I don't want to talk, you know, specific business Communications here and and uh, um, what we did or what we didn't do here, I think that stays between uh, um, the clubs that were involved and and uh, the players that were involved. So um, obviously, it's, it's different ways you can handle things, and we decided uh, that uh, in order for us to to. Uh, um, get the best return here as we did uh, yesterday. We felt comfortable with the process that we had uh, leading up to this point.
0: Bo Horvat is a, you know, he was a big piece in that locker room, on the ice, off the ice from a leadership standpoint. Uh, As you evaluate your group, Patrick, how do you feel about the leadership that is there now that exists? And, you know, potentially who can fill that void and help to fill that void? Who will help control uh, the temperature in that room?
2: Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's, that's part of, uh, when I got in here to, uh, evaluate the players and, and, uh, uh, the, the, the group we had here and, uh, you know, Bo has been here for, for nine, starting his ninth season here. And, uh, they had, uh, he made a playoff his first year and, and, uh, uh, they went to the bubble there um, as well, but but it's been a uh, some some tough years for this club since uh, since Bo was became the captain, and a part of it was that we looking to obviously to change things up here and and uh, trying to go a different direction. Um, and I do think there is a lot of young players here that are capable of stepping up, and and uh, uh, you know. Peterson uh, had, had a really good season up to this point, and Quinn Hughes has been playing really well. And and there is uh, plenty of other guys in, in that dressing room downstairs now that, that need to uh, grow into this uh, uh, leadership role. And I, I trust and believe in our coaching staff here that uh, with their experience that they will help and, and guide uh, um, the next captain uh, of the team whenever we decide who, who that will be. Patrick, you've got other players that obviously
1: teams are phoning on. Uh, one of them, no doubt, is Luke Shen, who you know, by virtue of his contract expiring on July 1st, uh, he's a, I know he's a popular guy in your dressing room. He's also a popular target for playoff teams because of his physical style on the back end. We've seen those guys uh, uh, get picked up the last couple of years when you when you think, uh, for example, of a David Savar getting traded a couple of years ago. Um where do you see the future lying with Luke Shen in terms of your decision making?
2: Uh, again, I, I do uh, have a lot of respect for for Luke as a player and as a person, and he's been a great leader, uh, character guy. That that is a true pro pro in this league, um, no doubt about that. That he would help uh, you know a contending team uh, with his uh, physicality and his experience, uh, winning cups. Uh, we 'll see where where it goes um, I met with Luke um, I know where he, what you know the how much he uh, uh, respect and and uh, uh, like to be here in, in Vancouver um, so we'll see where it goes in terms of the market
0: uh, and I know it's a uh, it's a bit of a game of chicken some years I would imagine figuring out when the market's going to be at its best and it probably changes for different players. Uh, Brock Besser's name has also uh, been out there a fair amount. Do you sense this year that uh, as the market draws closer, prices potentially could increase a little bit, or do you think that you know it's it's a bit of an unpredictable year, just given the cap and given the way the standings are and such? What's your read on the market?
2: It's a tough one. It's a good question because I I I, I would say it it's. Uh it is hard here with a with a kind of a flat cap, and and uh, it's hard to predict. It seems to be uh, money in, money out. Uh, a lot of those deals, uh, you know, there is not that many teams that have cap space, so so uh, it, it's really hard to you know to make a deal. Um, and uh, definitely, it's 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 hard to predict here over the next couple of weeks.
0: And just a quick follow up on that in a year where there's a player like Connor Bedard that's available in the draft potentially for for the team that gets that opportunity does it affect your thought process on timing at all patrick in terms of when you make the decision okay we're going to be an assets out build for the future team and the sooner you move some of these assets out it just increases your chances and it's in no way is it tanking it's just simply a matter of asset management and does that affect your timing
2: Yes and no. I mean, we're whatever twenty seventh in the league in in the uh, right now. We're we're not uh, happy with our with our season. We need to get better. Uh, I mean, the player you mentioned, uh, Connor Bernard, is obviously a Vancouver kid. Uh, I don't know if our scouts have him number one or number two or number three. We'll see where it comes down. Keeping that draft list close,
0: eh? Keeping it close to your chest.
2: We'll see. We'll see. But my understanding and and watching uh, uh, a couple of uh, amateur games here and talking to our scouts, um, it definitely seems like it is a, a pretty good draft.
1: Yeah, no question about that. And you got two first-round picks potentially. Now we'll see if that's a first-round pick from the Islanders this year or next. Um, one last thing I want to ask in the Bo Horvat negotiation because it's obviously a, fa- a fascinating and difficult thing to to pull off. Um, it, it, was there a thought at some point? I mean, teams have handled this differently with a, with a player like Bo over the years. Some front offices have done it exactly like you guys did, which is, you know. Trade him as a rental, and it's up to the team that trades for him to figure out the future, right? And that's what we that's what transpired here with the Islanders. You know, whether or not they can sign Bo Horvat, that's their issue, it's not yours. Other teams in this position have allowed the agent to interact directly with teams to maybe sign him um, as part of the process. And that didn't happen here. How what kind of difficulty was that in deciding which way to go on this one? Because as I've said, teams have done it both ways.
2: Yeah, um, I mean, original thoughts was to to uh, con- keep Bo Horvath here. Um, of you know, That yeah. was uh, their, our plan. And, uh, uh, you know, again, uh, respect Bo that he put himself in a position to be a UFA and, and with that uh, dictating where he wants to play and uh, how much money he wants to make. Um, at this point, we felt that uh, the process was moving along and uh, we, we felt that the way we handle it, uh, um, regarding if the Aiden was involved or not, uh, we were really happy with this, uh, this deal we made yesterday.
0: So from the standpoint of, of timeline and, you know, I know you guys, you have a plan in place for how to push push this thing in the right direction. If the fan base is wanting an understanding of a timeline that management is working with, what would you say to fans about, you know, there's a certain amount of patience that's involved. I live and work here in Edmonton. I've seen it firsthand. What kind of a timeline would you tell fans that uh, you guys are are working on and, and what level of patience is going to be required?
2: You know, and and uh, it's it's interesting in the league with with 32 teams here. That the timeline is is you know it's changing um, with more teams coming in and and, and teams are getting better. The parity of the league, um, I think there is uh, uh, we have good pieces here, uh, no doubt about it. Uh, and uh, since Jim and I got in here, uh, we can you know. Have said that we want to try to acquire uh, younger players and continue to build and and put a foundation in place here uh, by drafting and development and and signing uh, college European free agents uh, and step by step becoming a better team. Um, again, I think the 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 culture and the standard uh, needed to raise here to uh, the belief in in being good and. And uh, giving the players uh, resources to become uh, uh, the best version of themselves, uh, having uh, a stronger development staff, uh, adding Jeremy Colliton to a Rabbitsford group, um, having the Sedin's working with the players up in Vancouver and down in Abbotsford, I I think that's uh, just going to set us up for success here. Uh, uh, we have some young players coming in. We need more, uh, more players coming in to, to create that internal competition here. Um, but again, I, I'm excited with the new uh, um, coaching staff, with Rick Tockett, Adam Foote, and Sergey Gon, what they brings and how we want to create their identity as a club here moving forward. And last question for me,
1: uh, Patrick. Um, we, we quickly mentioned Besser, uh, but I'd be remiss if I didn't ask for an update there, only because, you know, that that situation has kind of played out pretty publicly with the agent acknowledging that he has your permission to, to talk to teams. But of course, you know, he it's not a player that you have to trade by March 3rd either. <laughs> he could very much still be on your team. So how would you handicap where that situation is at right now?
2: Well, again, I, I think uh, Brock has went through a lot uh, over the last six months. Um, you know, uh, he, he got injured in training camp and, and uh, struggled a little bit coming back. But I would say uh, the last 10 games, uh, I, I've seen uh, him playing uh, much better hockey. Um, he's still 25 years old, uh, capable of scoring 25 to 30 goals. Um, I think the way we're going to play here now would would push him a little bit harder. And hopefully he will uh, um, be able to find his game back here. And uh, again, I'm, I'm not, uh, uh, you know, uh, pushing him out of uh, Vancouver. Uh, he's a great, great kid, great person. And, and we strongly believe that he's a good player here for, for us moving forward. So we'll yeah. see. Yeah. Uh, you know, what the market and, and what other teams, um, you know, have interest or not in our players.
0: Sorry to interrupt you there. Uh, you, you talked about the great, some of the great young core pieces that you have. And in, in terms of this uh, major surgery, whatever we want to call it, uh, would you say that the core of your team is is in place and, and somewhat untouchable when you talk about the Pedersons and the Hughes and we'll throw Demko in there as well? Like, do you think you're done moving, major pieces and we'll see which way acknowledging brock bester's role on the team but you think the major moving of pieces is done patrick in terms of this
2: oh uh, it's it's hard to say i mean again we're we're sitting in the in the bottom of the league here so so obviously we haven't been good enough uh i think a major major um change here was when we brought in rick tockett and his group here and and uh, Want to create, as I said, the identity. I, I I've been missing a little bit of the identity of our team. I think we've been very inconsistent and hard to tell uh, game in and game out uh, what what we are. Um, in terms of those players you mentioned, I mean they are high elite players in the league, and and uh, for us, uh, I mean. I, I you need something significant in return to even consider moving uh, one of those pieces. Uh, they are still young, perfect age, and, and I believe they have a great uh, future in the, in the National Hockey League.
0: Well, I imagine you'll learn a lot about a lot of other members of your team in the days and weeks that follow after a trade like this. That's part of the evaluation, I imagine, in that, in that search for identity, in the wake of a trade like this?
2: Yes, Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Patrick, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. We know how busy you've been. And uh, best of luck between now and the trade deadline and the rest of the way.
2: Thanks, guys. Um, good luck, you guys, too, here leading up to the, uh, to the uh, trade deadline. <laughs> thanks. Well, Taksamuke, Patrick. And sorry my
1: Wi-Fi cut out for a moment there. So I hope I didn't <laughs> miss anything to, uh, to headline grabbing. <laughs> okay.
0: All right. Take care. Thanks. All right, and we thank Patrick Alvine for taking the time to chat with us. Uh, well, Pierre, no trades happening in the moment, imminently. What did you make <laughs> of the his last answer there when I asked him about the other core pieces and thinking about the you know the Hughes and Pedersen and Demko because Demko's name did kind of pop up a little bit yesterday. I thought I heard Farhan maybe even mention it at one point. What did you make of his really? answer on that one?
1: I mean, I think that the answer is uh, there's still a lot of work to be done here, which I don't necessarily mean – I don't know that it means that he would ever trade some of those guys you mentioned. But I think he has to leave that answer open-ended because I think in reality, even behind closed doors, it is open-ended. You know, as Jim Rutherford's words were major surgery. And and so I think the the Canucks will continue to take calls – Perhaps even more so this summer than between now and March 3rd in terms of another big move. Um, There could be other moves before March 3rd, of course. Luke Shen's a possibility. We'll see what happens with Brock Besser. But I think the answer was quite forthright from Alvin, Ryan. I think what he's saying is, hey, look where we are in the standings. Um, How could we feel that we've done most of the work? They haven't. More to come.
0: He also took that answer down the path of culture too. And I think he is going to learn a lot about his team here in the weeks that follow because there's a huge leadership vacuum in that room. Like you talk to people that were around this team every day, the number of things that Bo Horvat took care of, the way he controlled the temperature uh, off the ice in a lot of ways, Vancouver, that media group. I mean, it's much like here at Edmonton, out there in Toronto, it's demanding. And there's a lot that needs to be taken care of there as well. So who is going to take care of this stuff? Who steps in? I They'll share it, I'm sure, but you need that presence. And right now, I'm not sure that they have that obvious candidate.
1: I mean, they may have it for the rest of the year in a guy like Luke Shen, but it can't be his team because it has to be a core player who takes over, right? So, you know, you're looking at Pedersen or Hughes, I think, as guys that, will, that are growing older, more mature, more comfortable in their skin, right? Um, And so I think those are the obvious candidates, but um, you know, and 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 for that reason alone, that's why I asked him about Shen Brian because I think it's probable that he gets dealt because he's a UFA at the end of the year. But what if at the last moment the Canucks just check with him and and check with the agent Ben Hankinson and say, would you do a little extension here mm-hmm. for the leadership part of it? Mm-hmm. Just going back to your question here. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but I think it's interesting that Alvin said he has talked to Luke Shannon. You know, wonder what was part of that conversation.
0: No matter major or minor surgery, bottom line, you need players that can play. You need guys that can show the way. And uh, Shen definitely uh, displaying himself to be one of those guys. That's why he's highly sought after on the trade market. I mean, he'd be a good ad for a lot of teams that feel like they have a chance to go deep and want to add that depth and leadership and well, experience. And he ticks a lot of boxes, man, as a deadline acquisition.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, he's one of those big physical blue liners <laughs> that, you know, over an 82 game season, we don't like talking about those guys a lot because it's all about skill and speed and scoring. And then you get to the playoffs, you think of the Habs run in 21. <laughs> improbable run to the cup final you know Edmondson Petrie Weber uh Sherratt the big trees on defense for Montreal suddenly the rule book's a little different in the playoffs and it's about physical play uh you think about Tampa going out to get David Savard a couple of years ago you think about Colorado going out to get Josh Manson before the deadline last year there's a bit of a old school trend coming back here I feel like over the last few years which is that You need some big trees uh, on the fence in the playoffs in combination with your skill, obviously, back there. And that's why a guy like Shen, I think, listen, I I can say comfortably that I believe um, Boston has shown interest in Luke Shen. have have contacted the Canucks. I believe uh, Tampa Bay Lightning have. And I'd be surprised, quite frankly, if we didn't go through all the teams sitting in the playoff spot, if half of them haven't at least called Vancouver and said, let us know when you decide what you do with Luke Shen.
0: Winner on the Edmonton Oilers, too. They're looking more on the other right. side. But, you know, they're pretty pretty heavy over on that side. But could potentially, you know, if they uh, if they don't end up getting what they're looking for on the left side, could be a fallback position for them as well. They've got some guys that they can move over. Okay, a couple of other things we want to get to in the breakdown today. Brought to you by Pro Hockey Life. And the drive towards the playoffs is on big time. So no better time to outfit yourself with gear from your favorite team. And Pro Hockey Life is the place to go for your team's apparel. their sweater, you can get all sorts of other things to support your group. They got a great uh, wall full of hats. They've got all sorts of different things uh, for the huge hockey fan in your life. Like you, like us, Pro Hockey Life is obsessed with the game, 16 locations across the country. So let's keep it on the topic of trades, Pierre. A big deal gets done a month out. And so I wonder, people want to know, does this jar the market? Does it shake some things loose? Do other teams take notice and as much as James Duthie would hate it, is there a chance that this? And we ask it every time the first trade happens. But does this shake things loose a little bit? Do you
1: think? I hope it does because unlike James Duthy, I like when every big name keeps going before deadline. <laughs> you day. got columns. To it's write. another check mark off my list. Exactly. Uh, you know. So so let's let's think about some teams that that uh, you know we've confirmed that showed some interest in Horvat. Um, a lot of teams did, but let's just pick on a few. The Rangers kicked the tires, but at the end of the day, the Rangers are way more focused on wing than center. So I'm not surprised that they didn't go deeper. But what does it mean for New York now in the sense of this? A price has been paid now for a big-time rental, a rental for now, Bo what does that mean if the Rangers can look at Patrick Kane, if Kane wants to wait, what's the price there, et cetera? Uh, Carolina spoke to Vancouver a few times on Bo Horvath. Carolina was only going to get in it if they could sign Horvat, I think. So what does that mean for them? Remember, they got the Max Pacioretty cap space, yeah. to play with now. So, again, I still think Carolina is that team that would rather have a guy that plays with them past this year, right, as opposed to pay a big premium for a rental. So do they try on Tarasenko or Riley, or do they focus a little more on Timo Meyer? That's interesting there. The Leafs, I think, um, have talked internally about a top six winger. Uh, The Devils, Tom Fitzgerald, I quoted on the record in my piece last week, wants a top six winger. So I think getting a big name like Horvat off the market, even though he's a center, not a winger, I think helps clarify both the original price paid here on this year's market for Mm -hmm. a big name, and B, uh, I think for sure gives some juice to those phone calls, even if it doesn't mean it happens right away. Yeah.
0: It's going to be interesting to see There was a suggestion made yesterday. I know you addressed it in your article a little bit here, but does the timing of this allow Lamorello to sort of read, see how this goes over the next three weeks, four weeks before the trade deadline? If his team is not in a playoff position towards deadline, and it's pretty unclear as to whether they're going to get there or not, I know it goes against the way he normally operates. But is there a chance he could turn around and flip him again? I mean, he's given himself a window of a month by doing this this early to see which way it goes.
1: I mean, obviously that's an option, I will tell you, both from listening to him on his media call last night and from talking to other people in and around that situation. He traded for Bo Hervat to sign him. Right. But what if they don't like what
0: they're hearing? What if the negotiations start and they go, oh,
1: this is why Vancouver wouldn't let us talk to him"? Because look at these
0: numbers. Oh.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, it's possible, but as you said, Lamarillo has an interesting history when it comes to pending UFAs. I remember way back in New Jersey when Scott Niedermeyer was pending UFA and seemingly was giving every sign that he might want to go to market, and as we know, he ended up going to Anaheim to play with his brother. Yeah. You know, the Devils never traded him. Uh, uh, Lamarillo didn't, didn't train John Tavares either uh, in, in his UFA year. Uh, so, You know, uh, uh, but maybe the difference,
0: Pierre, maybe the difference is they had squeezed a lot of great juice out of those guys for their organization before that decision time came, right? If they actually think there's a chance they can't get a deal done, I mean, yeah, you know, they just gave up a, a good pile of assets for them and the idea of being able to recoup some,
1: yeah. And I should be clear because uh, I think actually Lamorello didn't take over until after that season Tavares yep. was up, but he still had time to deal with it is what I mean. And I remember there was a suggestion that the Leafs could maybe trade for, do the old sign-and-trade to get Tavares yeah. on eight years instead of seven, and Lamorello want to no know part of that. Um, I, I don't see it. I understand why you guys talked about that uh, on the pod last night because it's obviously interesting and it's possible. But I think once Lula Morello puts his – Thought process on for an acquisition. My point is this: he didn't just trade for Bo Horvat to get back in this playoff race. I think he traded for Bo Horvat for the long term, Mm -hmm. like he advanced the summer to now and made a move. But now he's got to go and sign him. Teams have a funny way of
0: somehow getting a sense for what a guy might be worth or what what a guy might be looking for too, right? I can't imagine that lamarillo makes this deal without a pretty darn good idea what the ballpark is and how it fits and. And if it makes sense, Uh, a couple of other items, uh, NHL all-star is coming up and news out of Edmonton this week, the Connor McDavid is going to take a pass on the fastest skater. Uh, listen, he's done this a bunch of times. Uh, don't believe he did it in the team skills competition this year. Won it, I think three straight years. He ended up winning it. Uh, but it's one of those things, Pierre, where I don't know, it kind of runs its course a little bit. What do you think of McDavid uh, sidestepping fastest skater this year? I don't have any issue with it. I think he's kind of done his time in that event.
1: I think. How many years have you known me? Yeah. Are you really asking me an NHL All Star? question? <laughs> I am. It's the quizmaster. You know it's that on. Event now. It's on his I, list. I'd rather eat a pencil <laughs> than give any serious thought about what's. I don't even know what the events are. I yep. couldn't believe after the Horvat trade, one of the hot topics in social media was it was Horvat still play for the. I don't even know what the format is, but do you still play for what? For the Pacific or who cares? I mean, come on. Uh, So you're saying your flight's booked (laughs) and you're going one (laughs) second of NHL all-star weekend. All right. note
0: note to the quiz master, no more all-star topics for Peter. Cancel
1: that that weekend altogether.
0: Okay. That's on the list there. Uh, Jack Hughes. So, Listen, the New Jersey Devils were maybe one of those teams we thought could be in and around the the, the Bull-Horvat conversation. Um, Jack Hughes, you know, the highest scorer in the new year here. He's got 33 goals this season, 63 points. He had 26 goals all of last year, Pierre, the extent to which he's taken his goal scoring to another level. Look at the ratio of goals to assist. 33 goals and 30 assists this year. Last year, uh, he was 26 and 30, but it's just... Man, did you think he would be this good, this fast?
1: I mean, I can't say that I that I thought that for sure. I, I think what's interesting though is I, I was thinking about it as soon as he signed that extension a year out before he could sign it eight times eight. Remember? Mm-hmm. And there were people saying, "Holy jumping! Talk about you know trying to get ahead of this." That deal's already a bargain. I'm sorry, yeah. But that's the number one center. Uh, it's going to finish among the league leading scorers and health permitting. That's probably going to happen now for several years. And they got him at eight million a year. Um, they were right to take that Campbell in, in his case, because this is what they felt was about to happen. And remember right after he signed, he got hurt too. Yeah. So they felt he was just starting to pop when he signed that uh, last year. And then he got injured, but um, he, he's a special player and, You want to talk about a team that's set down the middle with Nico Heischer right behind him, and this is why they're looking for a winger uh, to complement that group. Uh, They're a fascinating team on the rise. Um, The fly in the ointment in their team building, it's not anyone's fault, but it's just unfinished work is what's going to happen with Jesper Bratt. Um, That negotiation, from all accounts, did not go well last summer. Right. uh, Which is why he's up again at the end of the year here. And, and it basically, I think, boils down to this, Ryan, which is that I think his camp wanted north of eight last summer. And there's a guy, like I just said, making eight on their team uh, up front and Jack Hughes. And I think the idea is that they want – I think the team would love to slot him between he's sure 7.25 and Hughes' eight somewhere because they love Brad. They want him to be part of this core for many years. But sense, the man. reason it's fascinating is that I think – I think they need a good idea about where this is headed with Brad, don't you think, before they perhaps commit to making a hockey deal for another top six winger?
0: Yeah, it's a good I point. Mean,
1: you got you to start to know what the puzzle is here all around. So that's, that's, they're a fascinating team for me that way.
0: Take care of your own business before you go make those big moves that could shift things for you moving forward. How much fun is the race for the wild card in the East going to be? I mean, I'm looking at the standings here. You've got Washington right there. Pittsburgh is right there. The Buffalo Sabres. I mean, what a story they've been. What a fun team they are to watch. Just fun. And then you got Lou Lamorello saying, yeah, don't forget about us, right? Sitting 55 points right now. A couple points back here, but still very much in the mix. Florida's not going to give up. Florida Panthers are not going to buckle on this thing. It's going to be entertaining. What do you think? I don't know. I'll put you on the
1: spot. Who's going to get there, buddy? What do you think? I think think the Sabres get in. Um, uh, and, And... one of Pittsburgh or Washington, these two terrific aging cores who have been unbelievable forever. I think one of them trips up and misses out. Um, another team he didn't mention because they really are on the outskirts of that race you just talked about. But I think the Ottawa Senators, you know, not that they have that much to sell in terms of petting UFA. I mean, there's Cam Talbot, there's uh, Holden, uh, there's Hammock. but in general, I think wh- I think. My, my my sense of that situation is GM Pierodorio is in no hurry to sell that I think he wants to give that team the longest track possible to try and get back in this race. I think it's almost impossible. Yeah. But I think the point here, Ryan, is that he wants his team to get the march and at least play some games to have some level of meaning, even if it doesn't mean a playoff spot. Um so because of that, I wouldn't be surprised. Brian, if the Senators wait till the very last minute on whether or not they're selling.
0: Just to keep it competitive. I mean, they've won three in a row here. They're going to have to pile a bunch of wins together to really meaningfully get back into it. But they're one of those teams that's uh, too far kind of out of the yeah the Begard situation. And yeah, that'll be interesting to see. Uh, Okay, Pierre, before we go today, uh, we do need to acknowledge the passing of... uh, a pretty significant figure in the game, and listen, polarizing because his persona on the ice and in the game so dramatically different than you know, uh, you know, off the ice and in his personal life and what that reality was. But on the ice, there's no denying, right? The Golden Jet Bobby Hull's a two-time Hart Trophy winner, three-time scoring champion, 61 Cup winner as well, uh, and just a transitional figure in the game in a lot of ways. Um, you think about the evolution of the curved stick, you know the move he made over the uh, the, the WHA, a million dollar contract. Uh, just a really big figure in the game and a transitional figure, Pierre. But at the same time, there was a lot off the ice that was just in such contrast to the persona that he put out there. Um, you know, publicly in and around the game, right? There were the allegations from multiple uh, spouses of domestic abuse and, uh, you know, some trouble with the law, pled guilty to assaulting an officer, uh, you know, some mm-hmm. some comments that were viewed as anti-Semitic made in a Russian newspaper. It was a pretty stark contrast with this man on and off the ice.
1: Yeah, and, and it was interesting. I was watching from afar on social media as people were were taking their stab at, you know at that story and mm-hmm. um, and it's it's interesting I actually think that you know the discourse kind of went along the way it probably should for most uh, for the most part, which is that it's okay to acknowledge the greatness on the ice while at the same time uh, not ignoring uh, the real troubling and unacceptable behavior off of it and and you shouldn't ignore it you should not ignore that because. Mm-hmm. You're going back to the ESPN documentary in 2002, I think it was, uh, you know, the domestic abuse, uh, the accounts of that completely unacceptable. And, but you can have both conversations in one, even on the day that uh, a hockey legend dies, because that's just the reality of it. You know, gone are the days where you don't bring that up, which perhaps might've been the case 30 years ago. But um, so it was interesting to see how people dealt with that. But the bottom line is, uh, you know, a legend on the ice and and uh, a lot of complexity and unacceptable behavior off of it. That's just the reality of it. Six hundred ten
0: goals, thousand sixty three games played. The Golden Jet, Bobby Hull. Our condolences go out to his family and his friends. That'll wrap up the podcast today. Thanks, Pierre. I know you got to hustle over to Sports Center. You're going to be on a couple of sets today. You got you got Sports Center. A little insider trading, buddy. A yeah. Ins- little insider trading tonight. We'll look for that on uh and what what have you uh so you wrote Lou Lamorello in The Athletic? What else you got coming? Can you tell us? Can't tell you yet, buddy. Oh man, not Can't even me working between on between us. Things. Come on, what do you got cooking, buddy? What do you got cooking? <laughs>
2: I'll Nothing, let you, know. you have secrets. I'll
0: let you know. <laughs> oh man, you save your best stuff for insider trading. We need to have a discussion about prioritizing the pod. <laughs>
1: I I do. I'm doing it right now, buddy. I know.
0: All right. Love you, buddy. Thank you so much for this. We'll talk to you again real soon. Uh, That is the great Pierre Lebrun. All right, folks, thanks for tuning in. That'll wrap up today's Got Your Back, NHL, Lebrun, and Rashad. Big thanks to Patrick Alvin and the Vancouver Canucks for making him available, and to our sponsors as well, Cross Country Canada, Supplies and Rentals, Pro Hockey Life, and Liberty Smart Security. We'll check in next week. Have yourselves a fabulous finish to your week, folks. Cheers. We want to tell you about a truly Canadian company. Cross Country Canada Supplies and Rentals provides equipment and supplies to all facets of the Canadian construction industry, but what sets them apart is their get-or-done attitude. It's a core value of their company. I've been to the offices, I've seen how they proudly display that on the wall at each branch. Every one of the staff members lives by the get done formula to ensure they'll never let their customers down. They'll bend over backwards to get their clientele what they need, when they need it, and they don't make excuses. Cross-country Canada takes great pride in this attitude, and they truly believe that the success of their customer is their success. You can't get much more Canadian than that.